And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Go, man. Tear it off, dude. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. For the first time in a game that actually means something since the NFC Championship game in January 2020, there are going to be fans back in Levi's Stadium, and the 49ers are making sure that they make this a whole extravaganza. They're going to be wearing some of the uniforms that Dennis used to wear, and I'm not really sure if Dennis likes them or not, but uh, that's a different story. 49ers wearing a 1994 throwbacks. I know Dennis won a Super Bowl in those uniforms, so they're going back to uh, you know something that means a lot to the franchise. Dennis, I forgot, are you on the side of the throwback uniforms or are you against them? Well, you know, I like the red jerseys. I think they're bringing back the red jerseys. For the last couple of years, They've been, you know, talking about the white jerseys and oh, the, it's white the whites throwback. that you don't like. Okay. I don't like the whites so much. Yeah. yeah, the whites you get dirty. Okay, you, can, you know, but the reds, I mean, the reds are what we won the uh, the Super Bowl in. So okay, good. Yeah, so I, I, I it's going to be fun to kind of see, you know, the red jerseys and the throwback, and and it's going to be exciting. Levi's is going to be jumping. This is the we had a couple of preseason games, but I, I think I think the team coming back two and zero. Off a successful road trip and the Green Bay Packers in town, I think it's going to be. I think Levi Stadium is going to be is going to be exciting. It's going to be loud and you know it's going to be fun to be there. So I I'm kind of looking forward to it. I agree. I mean, every team is going through this. Uh, you know, first game with fans for most teams really. For the 49ers, it's it's more special because they were banished from their their home county. Um, forget when it was but they spent basically the last month and a half of the season on the road uh it, it was more grueling for them than any other team last year um and Dennis is right being 2-0 and on top of that emotion of, of being home being in front of the fans again um you know that's uh that's going to be a lot I think for Green Bay to have to deal with um you know th- these road trips these back-to-back road trips have been good to the 49ers. They've mostly won them. Uh, I think they're, what, 7-1 and one, uh, over the last three seasons. It's the game back that's uh, been problematic. Uh, there's just been a fatigue level. Uh, and uh, I think they're they're one and two in those games. Uh, you know, remember that Atlanta game at the end of the 2019 season came after uh, road games in, in Baltimore and New Orleans. So there's there's that factor going against the 49ers but like I said I think the emotional uplift from this game is going to be so high that uh you know adrenaline whatever uh carries the 49ers to a win uh at the end of the day yeah it's not only at home it's in prime time and today I thought one of the key quotes from George Kittle was that Kyle Shanahan literally gives it a little extra when it comes to play calling and play design for primetime games. George said that Kyle likes to show off a little bit under the lights on national television, so he essentially hinted that the 49ers would 
showcase something that Green Bay didn't expect. And they may actually have to showcase something that Green Bay doesn't expect, given the state of the running back room. We don't know who's going to start who's going to be the second stringer, third stringer, whatever. There's a chance, and Kyle Shanahan also said this earlier in the week, that the 49ers start their sixth string running back. That's how decimated the room is. Elijah Mitchell did not practice on Thursday. Trey Sermon was in a blue non-contact jersey. If neither of those two players are able to go, and with Sermon it's unpredictable because he's in a concussion protocol, so even if he looks good out there, There's a chance that something happens between now and Sunday. If neither of those two guys are available, you are indeed looking at the 49ers' sixth string running back starting. And, Matt, we don't even know who that sixth stringer would be. And (laughs) the sixth stringer is going to play no matter what, even if Trey Sermon's ready. So this is wild. The 49ers may have to get creative on offense. Yeah, they may have to hand out 68,000 rosters to the fans who attend because all all these guys are brand new. Jaquez Patrick might be on the field. Carryon Johnson might be on the field. Chris Thompson might be on the field. I think we know that Trenton Cannon, who only arrived Thursday of last week and was kind of forced into uh, duty as a running back in Philadelphia, is going to be up. He's going to have a big role in special teams and maybe as a running back as well. I guess you can say that's a bit of an advantage for the 49ers. Packers don't know who to prepare for. But I know that Bobby Turner, the, the running backs coach, has been working overtime this week, getting these guys up to speed. And Dennis, I don't know whether you ever had to deal with that or or your teams had when somebody is just signed and he's sort of pressed into service right away. I don't I just don't know how much of the offense or the defense uh, somebody like that can be expected to to master. I can't think of any situation and uh, it, it sounds like if you're a running back in college, you know, you, you could very well end up being a San Francisco 49ers, if, you know, the way it's been the last couple of seasons because they just kind of run through run through guys in the running back room. So, you know, it's 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 an opportunity, though. And that's what it that's what the NFL is about. Right. It's about opportunity. So, you know, the next guy up, you know, you have to go out there and you have to perform, uh, you know, at at your highest level. And you have an opportunity now to kind of showcase it a little bit. So in the unit of Kyle Shanahan offense and, you know, George Kittle was pretty quiet last, last week. Uh, so against Philly. So I suspect that he's going to be a big part of the game plan and also Debo. So you talk about uh, being creative and you, you've got a lot of weapons that you can be creative with. Uh, your running game's important, but until these guys get, get, get up to speed, we're going to see what kind of play caller Kyle Shanahan is. And he has another running weapon that everybody was talking about during training camp and in week one, but all of a sudden he's kind of flown under the radar, and that's the rookie quarterback, Trey Lance, who, you know, by running weapon, I'm not saying he necessarily needs to be the one carrying the football, but he could be out on that field as as a decoy, as somebody who takes the defense in a different direction than where the ball's actually going. So when you look at this rushing attack, Matt, you know how Kyle Shanahan thinks in situations like this. He's going to get creative, right? And he has the ability to do some interesting stuff. For example, Jacques Patrick, the running back to the 49ers, picked up. He's a 230-pound back. He's a bruiser. We're out there at practice. We're impressed by his size. Uh, he might be able to soften the defense a little in some short yardage situations or maybe even run the outside zone and, and bowl over some defensive backs. But that that's an interesting dynamic that the 49ers now have in the room that they didn't have before. And obviously, Trey Lance 
is a dynamic that they didn't have in years prior, but they have now. Uh, might we see either one of those two guys or both of those guys to kind of kickstart this rushing attack without Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson and 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 Jamichael Hasty? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll start with Patrick. Um, uh, 230 pounds, like you mentioned, but I think that the key point is that he played in in Cincinnati the last two years, and the head coach there, Zach Taylor, is a uh, Sean McVay disciple, and Sean McVay is a Kyle Shanahan disciple. So there, there's not, um, you know, it's not the same offense, certainly not the same plays, but I, I don't think his learning curve is uh, is as high as you know any, any uh, random guy off the street, and I think that's probably. Uh, went into uh, why they, they signed him. So he could definitely get into the game, and I really think that Trey Lance gets into the game. Um, if you want to, to go with Lance to, to really kind of um, hamstring a, a, a defense, you, you do it in a week that they don't have a lot of time to prepare, and, and the Packers played on Monday night. This is a short week for them. Um, they have to go all the way to the West Coast. So this seems like a, a really good week to uh, to break out Lance. I, you know, I, I don't know. We can create an over-under for the number of snaps he gets. Uh, uh, but, but Shanahan, you know, it, it is liable to do anything. It could be a whole drive that Lance plays. Um, he, he, can, he can do whatever he wants, and I think Shanahan really kind of relishes the surprise element in that and uh, Dennis, my my bet is that we see more than four snaps, which was what uh, uh, Lance got in the Week One game, and, and of course he got zero against the Eagles in Week Two. That's interesting, and 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 it's and it kind of makes sense when you you talk about playing on a short week. You got to get on an airplane, you got to fly across the country. Uh, you know, guys are still a little beat up from their Monday Night Football game. You know, you're going into Levi Stadium where you you know you've pretty much got owned in Levi Stadium. Uh, and then you throw another wrinkle into it. I mean, you got a physical defense. You got a, a young offensive line in Green Bay, uh, and then all of a sudden you you come out with this rookie running back. So I, I, I like that concept, and and I can see something like that happening. I just worry, you know, you you put Trey Lance in there, and and you can see. I mean, he's basically a quarterback that's a running back. I'd hate to see him go out there and kind of get himself banged up. Um, but I, I like that concept. I like that idea or that game plan, just keeping the defense even more on its heels by not knowing or not being able to prepare. But some tells me that every team that plays against the 49ers, there's some part of their practice that they get ready for a Trey Lance because they just they know he's a weapon and he's just sitting on the sidelines waiting to jump in. So, but it, it would be interesting seeing more. You know, then the four snaps and no snaps last week. And uh, everyone wants to see, you know, the 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 new shiny toy. Uh, but I just don't want him to get out there and get himself banged up. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I think it's fitting that the 49ers are playing the Packers because Green Bay has famously struggled against both types of run game that I think we'll see the 49ers try to implement on Sunday night. Obviously, in 2012 and 2013, the Packers could not stop Colin Kaepernick and the quarterback zone read and the quarterback run. And then very famously in January 2020, the last time that fans were in Levi Stadium, the Packers were historically bad on run defense against the 49ers when Raheem Mostert scored four touchdowns, and I think it was, what, seven yards a carry, something like that for the Kyle Shanahan's offense in that game. So Aaron Rodgers is the constant for Green Bay. He's been the quarterback on the opposite end of those very poor defensive efforts, and obviously he's lost all of those games. In fact, Aaron Rodgers has never beaten a winning 49ers team. He's 5-6 and six in his career against the 49ers. He's 0-6 against the winning team. So that was the Kaepernick-Alex Smith era back in 2012 and 2013. And then obviously uh, the 49ers in 2019 were a winning team when they beat the Packers twice, and Green Bay just could not stop the run. So now we'll see if the 49ers can make it hurt against Green Bay on the ground again, even with that running back room in such question, but the offensive line is healthy. And and also the Packers have really struggled in coverage throughout the first two games of this season. Matt, back in 2019, before the 49ers took on the Packers, we, we, I remember still on this pregame show, we said the 49ers aren't going to pass a lot because Green Bay has a decent pass rush with Zedarius Smith and Preston Smith. They have a decent pass defense, but they have a terrible run defense. So why should the 49ers even bother passing? They could just run it uh, right down their throats. It's exactly what happened. Now you fast forward two years, and Zedarius Smith, the, the Packers' top pass rusher, is on IR. He's not going to play. They haven't been able to pressure the quarterback. That means that Green Bay has no strengths defensively. They're not good against the pass. They're not good against the run. I think that plays into the 49ers' favor for very obvious reasons. Yeah, I'm sure the, the Packers are are very happy that Mostert isn't in this game because uh, if he were there, you know, it, it, it would be a very, very tough game for them. Uh, and, of course, we saw that happen in, in January of, of 2020. Um, you're right about their defensive line. No, it was a Darius Smith. Um, you know, they've got Preston Smith in there. And they've got uh, Rashawn Gary, who uh, I remember because we were looking at pass rushers in that 2019 draft, and, and he was one of the top ones. Uh, and, and the 49ers ended up getting a guy named Nick Bosa, and I think they're very happy with that pick. Uh, and Gary is, uh, is doing well. Uh, he's probably their, their best pass rusher, their most explosive pass rusher. But, um, you know, he's been inconsistent. I'd say the arrow is up with him, but not, uh, not certainly not burning hot like uh, Nick Bosa has been the, these first two games. And to me, that's, that's really going to be the story when, when Aaron Rodgers has the ball. I think the, the Packers would love to go deep uh, to Devontae Adams, uh, Marcus uh, uh, Valdez, Scantling. Uh, they, they were just off a few times in that uh, game against the Lions the other night. He could have had more than 100 yards if, if Rodgers had, uh, had better connection with him. And I think that's something that it's going to 
sharpen over the course of time uh, on that team. But the question is, can you attack the 49ers cornerbacks deep uh, if uh, D. Ford and Bosa are coming off the edges? And uh, the, the Packers have injury issues at the tackle position. No Eric Bakhtiari for this game. His, uh, his backup, uh, Elton Jenkins, is, uh, is dealing with an ankle injury. He's sort of questionable for this game as well. So um, it's not just the 49ers uh, fans uh, or listeners out there who have injury issues. Other teams do as well. And uh, the Packers have a big one, I think, on their offensive line. Yeah, and that's going to be the key to the game. I think the, uh, the 49ers defensive front and the uh, Packers offensive line because you're talking about they have a guard who's in this in his second year they have a center's first year and, a, and another guard that's in his first year so right in the middle there you got some rookies you got some draft picks in the middle that that you can attack uh, I think you know this this team is physical and I think Green Bay Packers kind of have an issue with teams that are really physical but if you watch that tape against Philly I'm sure they did you're going to know that Aaron Rodgers is going to want to go deep. So I think Joukowsky, Tart, and Jimmy Ward are going to have, a, have to have fantastic games to kind of help some of the, some of the, the cornerbacks. Uh, you know, because you look at that Philly game, and early in, the, early in the game, they gave up some pretty big big plays, some big yards. So, But I think the game is going to be won or loss in the trenches, like always. But I think advantage 49ers, especially against this Green Bay offensive line absolutely and when the 49ers played Green Bay both times in 2019 with a similar defensive line obviously now minus DeForest Buckner in 2021 uh, the 49ers faced the Green Bay offensive line that was ranked number one in the NFL in pass protection but both times the 49ers absolutely overwhelmed them it was crazy in that first matchup which I think very arguably was the worst game of Aaron Rodgers' career. The statistics, at least, think so. He had his lowest yards per attempt, adjusted yards per attempt ever. In all of his 16 years, Aaron Rodgers had never had a worse game statistically. And the one thing that stood out to me is that, you know, with the tracking data, they are able to uh, keep tabs on how far throws go downfield. The average Aaron Rodgers completion went negative 0.7 yards downfield. <laughs> in that 49ers-Packers game in 2019. That shows you how dominant the 49ers defensive line was against, again, a very good top-of-the-league Packers offensive line. So uh, now you don't have Bakhtiari. You might not have Elkton Jenkins, and they don't have Corey Lindsley either, who was an all-pro center who uh, signed with the Chargers this past offseason. So even though the 49ers don't have DeForest Buckner, I have to think they're, they're still going to have a leg up on uh, this Green Bay offensive line. Obviously, last week, Philadelphia did some good things blocking, but that is one of the top O-lines in the game. Green Bay, even though they're still good, they're they're just a bad matchup. The, the 49ers are a bad matchup for them. And if it goes any way along the lines of 2019, Matt, uh, Aaron Rodgers won't have too much time to test the 49ers cornerbacks, and I think that has to be the 49ers' plan because if Aaron Rodgers gets comfortable, uh, things are going to go downhill in a hurry. Yeah, and you could even argue that uh, the 49ers have better edge presence than they did during that regular season 2019 game. Um, Nick Bosa was in that game. I'm not sure if, if D. Ford was, was healthy at that point. My, my recollection is that he wasn't, um, and there certainly wasn't um, uh, a Samson Ebucom. I think Ronald Blair had gotten hurt by that point. Um, 
So, um, you know, the 49ers, I mean, uh, yeah, obviously there, there's no uh, DeForest Buckner, and uh, that's that's a big deal. Uh, but like I said, uh, the edges, which is where the, the Packers are a little shoddy right now as far as uh, protection on the offensive line, uh, that's where the 49ers are, are starting to, to rev up and sort of flex their muscle. Because uh, I think uh, Bosa would tell you that he's still rounding into form. Um, he's only getting better over the first half of the season after missing most of last year. And, um, you know, we're, uh, Ebucom has had some good snaps. He's, you know, he's playing a different position. He's going to get better as time goes on. Ford's going to get better, presumably, as time, time goes on. So, um, like I said, crowd noise, energy, adrenaline, and, uh, these guys springing off the edge. It, it'll be interesting to see what, what Matt LaFleur does, because, uh, like I said, you know, you would think that attacking the cornerbacks would be the way to go, which is what the Eagles did. But, um, you know, it, it, it may be that he realizes his quarterback is not going to have the time to do that, and they, uh, they turn to more underneath stuff, which means, uh, you know, uh, 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 Fred Warner needs to have a big game, Aziz Alshair. Uh, didn't play all that great, I didn't think, against the Eagles. He needs to have a big game. And then the safeties, uh, as Dennis mentioned, need to come up, and instead of playing deep, uh, they're playing more in the center of the field and along the line of scrimmage, which they're both perfectly capable of. Um, that, that's Dennis, that's sort of a, an under-reported uh, storyline this year, is that uh, those two safeties, those two guys who are really, the, I think they're the most tenured guys on this team, them and uh, Dante Johnson, um, are, are playing really well and uh, are, are a real asset for this defense. You know, they got a lot of history. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, didn't they play in high school together, Jimmy Ward and Jaquaski Tart? Yeah. I mean, they've known Mobile, each other forever. Yeah. Yeah. Last week, I think Jaquaski played one of his better games last year. He only had that one breakup, but I, I think he was really good on his coverage. But it, it, all, it, it all happens in, in the, it, with the pressure. And, and that's what they need to continue to do. And they had a lot of pressure last week. And we don't talk about Eric Armstead a lot. But he had six pressures last week. So he was in the quarterback's face. And he's going to get some of those sacks. We know Nick Bosa, he had the two sacks. But he had pressures. He had three pressures. Javon Kinlaw had two pressures. D. Ford had two pressures. So that's what, that's what you need against Aaron Rodgers. Because if he sits in the pocket, he can pick you apart. Because it, once you try to blitz him, you know, he, he, he knows... The, the blitz busters, he knows how to beat a blitz. He's seen all the different co- coverages. You're probably not going to bait him, but you got to get pressure with your four, your four down linemen. You have to get pressure on him, and, and that's, what they, that's what they did the last, the NFC Championship game, uh, and then uh, the game, the two games last season in Levi Stadium, that's what they did. They just got after him. And then if you get him flustered a little bit and not let him get comfortable in the pocket, he can't throw down the field. But Aaron Rodgers is a good quarterback. And he's going to bounce back. You saw he had one of, his, one of his worst games that first game of the season. Then he came Monday Night Football, and he looked like the old Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, he's throwing balls off his back foot. He's throwing balls across his body. He's a good quarterback. And if you let him get comfortable in the pocket and let him start seeing the defenses, you don't disguise something or you don't, you don't, you don't pressure him, he can make it for a long day because he is one of the elite quarterbacks in this league. Well, we saw exactly that last season, really the forgotten game that the 49ers would really like to forget about. 
in 2020, they, I mean, they were missing almost everybody, it seemed, in that game. On top of all the injuries, there was some COVID stuff that happened that week, so they didn't have Trent Williams. Richie James ended up having a big game because all of the wide receivers were out. So it was like River Craycraft and, and Richie James and Trent Taylor, I believe. So the only really positive coming out of that game was the 200-plus receiving yards for Richie. But Aaron Rodgers was unbothered because obviously Nick Bosa was long gone at that point after the ACL tear. And Aaron Rodgers put up, what, 40 points on the 49ers, whatever it was. It, it was it was a long night, a Thursday night in week 10, I believe, maybe week 9. It was right after that loss against Seattle in the 49ers season was uh, circling down the drain in a hurry. So you had quite the juxtaposition. Two games in 2019 that I thought were nearly identical. The 49ers with their front four overwhelming, a very good Packers offensive line, and overwhelming Aaron Rodgers and blowing him out both times. And then you had 2020 without Bosa, without those pass rushers, and without a whole lot more pieces, and it was Aaron Rodgers taking it to the 49ers. Obviously, the personnel this time, at least entering this game, suggest that it's going to be closer to 2019 than 2020, especially because the Packers are a little bit beaten up and they're missing a few guys this time. But uh, you never know until they actually play the game. And, uh, you know, Matt, this is one of those games that could become a little bit more interesting than just our projections on paper because there's a little bit of drama, right? Uh, The 49ers made a call about Aaron Rodgers this offseason while all those dramatics were going on in Green Bay. Kyle Shanahan maintains that it was just a due diligence call. He's just checking in to see if uh, Rodgers was available. He got a quick no, and he hung up. But according to some stuff that came out today, uh, Matt LaFleur over in Green Bay thought that the 49ers were doing a, a little bit of meddling, that he thought that, that John Lynch might have been trying to talk to Aaron Rodgers behind the scenes. And they didn't really trust the 49ers. They thought the 49ers were doing more than just doing an oh-what-the-heck check-in. And supposedly, if, if Mike Silver's tweets are all true, um, th- there was a little bad blood this offseason between, uh, you know, friends, between Matt LaFleur and, and, and Kyle Shanahan. And even if that's, you know, water under the bridge at this point, you still have to think that these two guys are going to want to beat each other extra bad if there was some sort of disagreement about Aaron Rodgers in the offseason. Yeah, apparently there is bad blood between House Shanahan and House LaFleur, and that it wasn't just uh, a, a due diligence quick call. Um, there, there was a suspicion from Green Bay that it was the 49ers who were sort of instigating all of this uh, um, you know, dissatisfaction that uh, Aaron Rodgers has had with with, with the Packers organization and sort of uh, kind of leading him to believe that maybe the, the 49ers were at the uh, waiting for them at the end of the rainbow uh, to kind of swoop him up. That, that to me, you know, I mean, uh, obviously there, there are degrees to that. Um, uh, the 49ers certainly didn't, didn't be, uh, you know, start all the, uh, the, the bad feelings that uh, Rogers and uh, the Green Bay front office have had. Uh, were they trying to take advantage of it? Uh, yeah, I, I think in, in some way uh, they were, but probably all uh, 31 other teams uh, would have as well. So uh, it'll be interesting. We're going to talk to Kyle Shanahan later today, um, and uh, I, I'm sure he'll be asked about that, and I'm sure he'll slough it off as, as nothing. But it's one of those kind of palace intrigue things that's made all the more interesting because that Shanahan coaching tree is so uh, extensive. 
and, and these two teams, and uh, I, I think that the, 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 uh, the call that uh, Mike Silver was referring to was between the 49ers and the Jets, where uh, Mike LaFleur, um, the, the 49ers' uh, uh, former assistant, is now the uh, offensive coordinator under Robert Sala. So <laughs> it's not just two teams here, it's three teams that are involved uh, but uh, uh, Dennis, there's just a lot of drama going on, and uh, and behind it is always quarterbacks. Well, they're you know they're, they're they're pretty important. It sounds like there's a lot of drama. I haven't I haven't heard about much of this drama, but you know when you have a prima donna or one of the best quarterbacks in the league like Aaron Rodgers, and he's upset. I mean, I mean you wouldn't be doing you wouldn't be doing your your team right or your franchise right if you didn't make a phone call and you know what's going on. You know, can we help you out? I mean, can we? You're from California. Hey, you played here. You you thinking about coming back? I don't. So you know, maybe it's an unwritten rule that you know that's something you don't do. But when you have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, I'm sure you know the fan base would love to see Aaron Rodgers as a 49er. I mean, because he is he is that quarterback. He he is a game changer, uh, and you know he's he's proven it year in and year out. So you know, it sounds like a lot of drama. You know, it sounds like a lot of ego too. But again, you're talking about one of the best quarterbacks uh, in the NFL, uh, for sure a Hall of Famer. Well, maybe, Dennis, this is a little bit of a reminder of the old 49ers-Packers rivalry that, that you got to play in back in the 90s. When I wrote a big story about that a couple of years ago, Steve Young, his quote was, it was a family fight back in the 90s. And this feels a little bit like a family fight, right? The LaFleurs <laughs> against the Shanahans. But you know, for historical reference here, back in the 90s, the Packers had an assistant named Steve Mariucci who developed Brett Favre, and the 49ers had an assistant named Mike Holmgren who developed Steve Young. Those two assistants then flopped teams. Mike Holmgren became the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, so he was obviously coaching against his former pupil, Steve Young, and Steve Mariucci became the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers, and he was obviously coaching against his former pupil, Brett Favre. And then the two teams ended up playing in four straight years in the playoffs with Green Bay winning the first three. I know, Dennis, your final career game was at, at Lambeau Field, so, so you, you, you've still expressed bitterness about that loss. But the 49ers finally got them when uh, Steve Young threw the Terrell Owens, and that kind of ended this intensely personal family fight between two teams who were running the same playbook. They knew each other so well. And they wanted to beat each other so bad because of that almost brother-like familiarity. And, and Matt, that, that sounds a little familiar to me right now. There, there's some, the playbooks are similar, at least offensively, between Green Bay and, and the 49ers. I know the Lafleur tries to run a lot of the same stuff as Shanahan because um, obviously they're, they're coming from the same tree. And it sounds like... Uh, the, you know, that familiarity might have sparked and might have lent itself to a little extra drama that you only get when uh, two people and, and two staffs know each other fairly well. We've got a lot of storylines heading into this game, and I'm sure the, uh, the NFL just loves it that way, that their, uh, their primetime game on Sunday uh, is just uh, rife with, uh, like we said, all sorts of drama. And, and you're right. I mean, uh, we, we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that LeFleur basically runs the same offense as uh, as Shanahan and and we're talking about uh, preparing on a short week. That's the that's the Packers' advantage because uh, I think we see it is that when when teams aren't used to playing that that zone 
uh, rushing attack, especially that stretch zone when Raheem Mostert is in the game that works so well. It's just hard to uh, to, to, to learn and to kind of become well-versed in, in a week. And, and the Packers have that. And, and, you know, I thought watching that uh, Packers-Lions game the other night, Dennis, that Aaron Jones, the running back, was the best player on the field. And um, he may be what uh, what the, the, the Packers try to ride to a win because uh, he's very talented. He's very quick. Um, you know, perhaps the, the Packers sort of take advantage of all the adrenaline and all the uh, aggression that uh, attacking that the 49ers defense does and tries to do a lot of misdirection, little little throws back to uh, to, to Jones and to, to uh, Devontae Adams and to Robert Tunyon. But uh, yeah, if, if I'm the uh, if I'm the Packers, I would uh, figure out ways to get Aaron Jones the ball. And you know, not just hand the ball off to him. If the uh, the game Monday night, it looked like he became kind of the third wide receiver. He had a lot of balls out the backfield to him, and you know he's he's a physical runner. You get the ball in space, and him going one on one against against a, a cornerback or safety, I mean it's advantage to him. So. And you know Devonte Devonte Adams is Devonte Adams. I mean he's he blew up, right? He blew up uh, Monday night. And you know him and Aaron Rodgers, they've got a lot of chemistry. They got great chemistry together, and that's why we we've already talked about it. It's going to be important. Whoever's out there on the corners, uh, you know they have to play well. But you know Jimmy Ward and Chukwaski Tart, they have to have probably one of their best games because if you watch that Philadelphia film. I mean, you got to believe Aaron Rodgers is going to, you know, you know what he, you know how Aaron Rodgers works. If, if someone goes down, and I think it was a, a game at Levi Stadium, I think one of the cornerbacks went down, and Aaron Rodgers just attacked whoever the next man up, threw like three or four balls straight there just to see, you know, what's going to happen. So Aaron Rodgers is an experienced quarterback, and if he, if he can see something he can exploit in the defense, he's going to go after it. So, you know, the, 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 the strong safety, free safety, uh, corners, they have to have their best games against, against Aaron Rodgers. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It'll be interesting to see who the 49ers start at cornerback. Obviously, they have the veteran Josh Norman. They have the rookie Diamador Lenore, but they might have Emmanuel Mosley returning from his knee injury in this game. Mosley was one of the top two cornerbacks in training camp alongside Jason Verrett. I thought he had a great camp. If he's fully healthy, I think that he's going to slot into one of those starting roles, but maybe the 49ers feel that 
they still want to work him back slowly, in which case uh, he wouldn't be one of the starters and you'd go with Norman and Lenore again. But uh, Mosley tossing his name into that mix would certainly make for some fascinating decisions for the 49ers. And I think you're right, Dennis. Safety play is going to have to be really good against Aaron Rodgers if that pass rush isn't hitting home at 2019 levels. I think so far in this season, the 49ers pass rush has has shown signs of uh, its old monstrous self, but it hasn't been what it was throughout the first 10 weeks of or 12 weeks of 2019 and and throughout the the playoffs in that year quiet yet. Maybe it's because DeForest Buckner's not here, but I think the main reason, though, is that other teams are ready for the 49ers now. The quick passing game is huge. I think that's going to be big for Green Bay. Uh, Rodgers was extremely efficient against Detroit with the quick passing game. Most of his stuff, you know, productivity, like his expected points added in that game, if you want to get really advanced with it, most of that came on throws that traveled less than two yards past the line of scrimmage if you look at the analytics of that game so he's going to Devonte adams he's going to randall cobb he's going to aaron jones on very quick throws which means the corners have to be ready to tackle and i think fred warner and aziz alshire are gonna have to be ready to fly to the football fly into the flats and not give the packers five free yards on these quick aaron Rodgers throws because matt you know it's coming to try to mitigate that 49ers blitz yeah and um alshire um did fly to the ball i i think against the eagles the problem was that he sometimes flew past the ball it felt like he was uh moving too fast or not in control sometimes and came away with three missed tackles after he had two missed tackles against the uh the Lions. So that that's something that he's got to work on because he does have the speed to get there. Um, you know, uh, he and Warner um, are probably going to have to have really big days. Uh, and I think that Aziz has the potential to do that. He's just not putting it all together. And I think uh, uh, what uh, Dennis was referring to earlier was the Greg Maven ga- game uh, in Green Bay a few years ago. That was a game where um, you know, the 49ers were, were teaching Akello Witherspoon a lesson. And so they kept him on the sideline in the game. He had been a starter to that point in the season. And they started Jimmy Ward at, uh, at cornerback. And Ward did a, did a great job. But then Ward got hurt. And Greg Maben came in. And Dennis is right. As soon as Greg Maben came into that game, a guy that had not had a lot of experience, uh, it was as if... Uh, Aaron Rodgers turned into a hungry wolf, and he saw that, and he exploited it, and it was the difference in the game. He just went after him over and over again. At the end of the game, uh, big touchdown pass, and the Packers come from behind and, and win a, a, an emotional game. So that, that's why I think if uh, Emmanuel Mosley is back for this game, the other cornerback will be uh, Josh Norman. I don't know that for sure. That's my guess. Uh, to kind of save D'Amador Lenore from from having to uh, face a, a quarterback that just feasts on young, uh, inexperienced guys like him. So uh, that that's how I see it happening. Uh, but uh, I, I, I also remember that game very well. It was almost sad because it seemed like every snap it was, you know, it was it was to that side, whatever side maybe was on, it was to his side and. And but that's what you know. That's what you're supposed to do. I mean, it's kind of bullyish, but that's the quarterback Aaron Rodgers is. I mean, he 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 knows how to exploit. I mean, he's not gonna. 
And this is not a good game. If Mosey's coming back, this is not a good game for a bad knee either. Because I'm sure, you know, Aaron Rodgers knows that too, and he'll test that too. But it all comes down to the trenches. It, it always comes down to the trenches. And if the 49ers offense can be consistent, more consistent, play four quarters, you know, not play a half or play three quarters. You be consistent. Uh, you contain uh, Aaron Rodgers. You get some pressure in his face. You don't let Devontae Adams kill you. Uh, and you can come out victorious at, at home and be 3-0. and Well, you know that Aaron Rodgers wants to get Mosley back because uh, earlier in the show, Dennis, you said it's very rare that Aaron Rodgers gets baited into an interception. The 149er who's baited him into an interception is Emmanuel Mosley in that NFC Championship game. That was a huge play. I think it allowed the 49ers to go up 27-0 a couple snaps later because Raheem Mostert ran in for another touchdown. It was either 27 or 30-0 to at halftime of that game, but Mosley, probably with some help from Richard Sherman, who helped the, the 49ers young cornerbacks really get on top of the P's and Q's of the, the cerebral part of the game, he, he, he baited Aaron Rodgers, and he was waiting for that interception. So you have to believe that if he's back at the game, there might be a little bit of a vengeance play there from the old veteran who's now in his 17th year in the National Football League. So just uh, a, a lot of cool subplots, I think, back and forth. Uh, in this game that, that we can track because uh, Rodgers has been around for so long, since 2005, right? So he, he's played bad 49ers teams. He's played the Harbaugh era, great 49ers teams. He played the great 2019 49ers team, the terrible injury-riddled 2020 49ers JV team. And, and now here he is, and it looks like this is a, another good 49ers team in 2021, and we're still not sure who the Packers are going to be, right? I mean, this is the, for them, this is such a big game as far as an inflection point early in the season. They just got destroyed by the Saints, 38-3 in Week 1, and they, they were losing early to the Lions, who aren't any good in Week 2. So nothing that Green Bay did in Week 2 uh, should – convince people that they're somehow over the very alarming performance in week one but if they beat the 49ers here in week three on the road mat the Packers will have announced that they are indeed contenders again here in 2021 so this game means a whole heck of a lot to Green Bay from a playoff chase standpoint and from a pride standpoint so uh, there's going to be a lot on the line on Sunday Night Football. Yeah you always want to beat one of the teams that you expect will be there that you're competing with for, for playoff season, uh, seeding at the end of the season. Uh, and the 49ers are in that, you know, in that category as well. Uh, not only are they competing against the Packers, but uh, they've got a very, very tough division, tougher than the NFC North. Uh, so, I mean, all of these games uh, are, are, are critical uh, early on. You don't want to kind of fall behind uh, in, in this division because it's uh, it's already showing that it's a, a fantastic division. And, you know, one more storyline that we haven't touched on, this is, this is a uh, almost a, a perennial one with Aaron Rodgers, is the fact that, you know, the 49ers passed on this guy in that 2005 draft, and he really badly, badly wanted to come here. And I remember him saying a couple of times, I'm going to make the 49ers pay for taking Alex Smith and not me uh, and making me suffer through the agony of that, uh, that famous first round. He really hasn't, though. Uh, as good as he is and as good as the teams that he's been on, he's won some games against the 49ers for sure. 
But um, but you're right. The big ones, the playoff games, certainly in Green Bay, in Le- uh, Levi Stadium, in Candlestick, those have all been won by the 49ers. So it, it seems like the big matchups uh, in in the Aaron Rodgers era have all gone to San Francisco. And Matt, do you think he's over that by now? 17 years ago? I don't think, think somebody like that ever gets over that. <laughs> you they think he's still that, got that They chip. wear that on their shoulder uh, for the rest of their lives. Like I said, I still think the 49ers have got Aaron Rodgers' number. I mean, I think they pretty much own the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, but one thing we do know, I mean, after these, these next two games, these next two home games, the Packers on Sunday and then uh, the following week against the Seahawks, I think we'll see kind of what the 49ers team, see what we're working with here and what, you know, moving forward. But it's it's so important to just stack wins. I mean, in, in, in this division, in this conference, you know, it's so important just to get the wins any way you can. Ugly, like I said, that that, that, that win against Detroit in week, in week 17, it'll just be a W, and that's going to be the important thing to keep stacking wins moving forward. Question for you, Dennis, is have you gotten over the Packers beating you in, in your final <laughs> game there back in January 97? You know, I have not because it was <laughs> raining and we were wearing those white throwbacks uh-huh. and we, we were that. muddy we and we were we, we were circle, muddy baby. <laughs> defensive linemen we were covered with mud and it was freezing cold and those white jerseys just soaked up all the mud so no i have not gotten over it. for two years i've wondered why dennis loathes all white uniforms the way he does and it was it was finally, probably the worst day of my life of this sunday is is dennis's chance at a full circle exorcism though because the 49ers are finally putting on the uniforms they're supposed to put on yes the red version of those throwbacks right right and they are going to try to beat the green bay packers so maybe finally yes. after after this game, Dennis, you'll be able to let go. I believe that you will be able to because I think the 49ers are going to go out there and throttle the Packers. I'm not going to be shy about this. I think they're so much better on both lines of scrimmage that I think that even if they don't quite have the 2019 advantage, it'll be enough to win by two scores. I say 34-20. Uh, Dennis, what do you think? Do you think that uh, it's going to come true for you, and do you think you'll finally be able to forget about the all-white uniforms. It's kind of stitched in my brain now, so I can't. But <laughs> I do think the 49ers come out. They come out in the in the throwbacks. I think they get after Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers has a decent game. But I think, you know, in the trenches, I think, I think this offensive line just doesn't, you know, they just can't handle this 49er goal rush, pass rush. I think the 49ers offensive line um, with, with one of the Smith brothers mi- missing, I think Jimmy Garoppolo has a big day. So I'm going to say 31-24. 49ers. I'm going to go something very similar, 30-20, 49ers. I think that, um, like we said, they're, they're going to try to use that quick passing game. They'll get Devontae Adams involved. They'll get Aaron Jones involved. Uh, but it won't be enough uh, for, for them. Uh, they'll, they'll muster some modicum of, of offense. But uh, this will be the 49ers' day. And and I don't want to say they deserve it, but like I said earlier, no, no team went through – more road hell last year than the 49ers. So playing their first real home game since then, I think it will be a poetic win for the home team. Going to be fun. Well, everybody tune in after the game on Sunday. For Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi. We'll talk to you next time on the Here's the Catch 49ers podcast.